Blog Talk Radio. You know, and it's not so much, you know, I think we've, I've asked this in the past is, 
you know, I asked myself so many times, you know, because I realized that we're, you know, that kind of lone wolf crying in the night. But, you know, why us? You know, why did we, in, in your story especially, is you were just traveling along, just doing your thing. <laughs> and you got whisked out and yanked out and shook and placed in the middle of Russia. <laughs> and there it began. Yeah, and, and that's the part that is really, you know, at the time I didn't, you know, as we've talked, I didn't know why I was going to Russia. Um, and it really was, you know, going through the experience. But the whole message for me, the whole learning was about, you know, facing fear. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once, and, and again, that's, I'm not saying that fear doesn't show up every day, but the fact that now I have a relationship, you know, with it, and it allows me then to take a step back and go, okay, what's going on? Um, and, you know, then move forward. But I, but I think that, um, you know, one of the things that we focused on in this workshop was, you know, what has been her, our story? And, and, you know, the story that I've told for a long time, especially with the Russia event, was, you know, my life was driven, you know, all around, you know, being afraid. And Unbelievable. Good for you. What a co- great confession. I mean, just amazing. Most people, you know, I think deep down they'll, they know that, but, you know, for you to, I mean, and that must have been one of the breakthroughs through the course was the ability to express that. Exactly. And, and really what the, the focus of the first step in the, the course um, was about, you know, what is your story and then deciding that it's time to leave that story behind and write a new story, right? Because, and again, you know, the concept is it's not that you're going to not tell the story again, but because you may tell it to to help someone else learn. But the idea is that, you know, is it limiting your life? And one of the terms that that she used in the workshop um, was the term contaminate. So are you going to let what's happened in the past contaminate your future life experience. And, and I thought that was a really profound, you know, reference about the fact that it does limit, or even even if you have the experience, you don't enjoy it at the same level as you might. Right. You know, it's that, uh, you know, I, it just amazes me how people hold on, uh, you know, and, and don't, you know, and that's why you and I have talked a lot about forgiveness is a huge way to let go of those you know, whether it's an individual or whether it's the experience or whatever, whether it's cancer, whatever, it's it's like, okay, fine, boom, it, but that is not now. Well, and, and one of the, um, you know, steps that we went through was this idea of forgiveness. And, you know, so in the workshop we, you know, wrote down all the people or the experiences that, you know, had created, you know, that we were hanging on to basically. And, you know, then we worked through, you know, just a statement about the fact that, you know, I choose, you know, to forgive at this point. And then, you know, followed up with a very affirmative, you know, because I've always been, you know, X. And so what, well, and it wasn't saying that you're going to forget it. It's not going to say that it's no, not right, part of right. And I think that's an important part, you know, because I don't, you know, I, I struggled with that a lot. And then I finally have come to my peace or my truth is just no it's stupid to forget because there are certain people um that you can't allow to do that again 
Exactly. I mean, you're you're not. It's because the whole process that we went through, it wasn't about the them. Um, right. It was about this is my life, and right. if you continue to let those experiences contaminate your future, you are still allowing, you know, that person, that incident. And again, that's have, your choice. I mean, I think that's what. You know, that's the part that when you tell, <laughs> I explain to people a lot of times when they come with, to me with a story of being a victim, and I say, you've got to forgive them, and they're going, I, I, I can't do that. I can't forgive them. And I say, listen, it's not, you're not <clears throat> forgiving them. In fact, this is the individual that you're hurt by or that you're wounded by or that you're irate with right now and that you want to strike. I said, don't you realize and that you're holding on to and that you're carrying? They don't even know that you hate them, they may know it, but all of your hate and all of your anger and all of your grief isn't affecting them at all. They don't care. I said, so it's really about forgiving yourself and forgiving them so that they're not in your head. They're not renting space. And I think what you just said, we had a brief minute to talk before the show began, and I think it's really significant to talk about this. You know, your, your teacher said, you know, you're carrying your body, your neurons, every, you know, cell in you. Still, if you're hanging on to all of those other uh, toxic emotions like anger and fear and hate and depression, that every cell in your body is carrying those. Exactly. And, and so one of the things that we did as part of the workshop, which, again, I've, I've done a lot of workshops, but... We hadn't, in any of the previous workshops, we hadn't really addressed the idea of these memories actually being lodged, I mean, stored, you know, somewhere in your body, and the fact that being able to, you know, just recognize that, you know, bring that to the surface, and then be able to transform that energy, that experience, you know, again, neutralize it. You're not getting rid of it, but you're just neutralizing it so it doesn't have to, you know, impact you. And, and examples in what we worked on, you know, is, is the way that, for instance, finding your voice and, you know, how things get stuck in your throat and you cannot, for whatever reason, get the words out. And so spending time, you know, just understanding when are those circumstances where you can't you you can't get the words out and and then understanding what that's about um and being able to then you know work through and and find that voice and and once you can do that right then you know then the healing and the new story has a chance to emerge exactly you know so much of it you know, uh, and again, what I love about these uh, dialogues that we have is that it brings me back to the years. Like, you know, <clears throat> you get to a point and you forget that you've, you know, when you did get turned on by the uh, spirituality and the theories and the philosophies and the theologies, etc., that you know you spent years because it's almost <laughs> it's almost like an addiction, uh, obviously a very healthy addiction to keep going and what you're talking about now with that is you're talking about the throat chakra is that you know that, that gets blocked and and people can't express because of all the negativity right and and what was you know as we went through the workshop and as we you know we started to you know we had a 
a section on um, secrets, for example, right? And and everybody has some level of secrets of things that you know they that they haven't said out loud. And and this wasn't about let's confess everything that we've ever done in our life um, to a bunch of strangers, but this was about journaling about them. You know, again, bringing them to the surface, and then understanding how because the guilt and shame you know, that you carry with secrets, again, is also stored in your body. So, and then once, you know, once you're bringing some of that to the surface, then the idea, you know, is to be able to move it through, you know, forgiveness. And and so, like, you're another area that we would just get quiet and, and in meditation she would say, okay, so, you know, where is that in your body, right? What's constricted? What What's, you know, is it? Because, again, if you're getting quiet and you're paying attention to what's in your body, and, and so what I've been noticing, of course, just that I, you know, don't spend that much time paying attention and listening, you know, to my body. So as I'm driving around in the car and, you know, is my, you know, you know what is being constricted or as I'm getting ready, um, you know, I was going to the hockey game last night and as I was getting ready, you know, I was just paying attention. Um, another part is, is breath and paying attention to how you're breathing and when you're kind of holding your breath and when you're not, you know, getting good deep breaths, you know, what is going on? Because each one of those events, you know, is restricting, you know, a healthy experience. Exactly. You know, you're just, uh, you're blocking, you know, you're not... You know, again, you know, two lessons from the Course of Miracle of Ozone. There's only two choices, fear or love, and there's always, always one problem, only one problem, all the time, no matter whether it's financial, health, career, family, whatever. You know, relationship, there's always one problem, separation from your source, because when you are totally connected to that, all of the other stuff unfolds in a natural way in a, in in an in, you know that's that whole thing about dis-ease you know dis-ease is not ease and so exactly and, and one of the things that that she talked about which again i had heard it before but i hadn't again practiced it and understood it quite to the level is the fact that you know many of those moments that happen through the course of our lives and you know some of us are, you know, past the 50 range, right? So we've had a lot of, like, life experience is that you want to go back to that first moment, you know, back when you were a little kid, um, you know, when you were afraid or, or, you know, when, you know, someone didn't treat you properly. And, and in order to heal, many of the events that happen in relationships through those years actually started from, you know, this event way, way, way back when. So we did, again, a, a couple great meditations that, you know, helped us understand and connect, you know, right back, you know, when we were little kids and what were those you know, this experiences. Is, this is a, right, this is a point, forgive me for stopping here for a second, but I, I want to jump on this point. Um, you know, I one of my mantras lately is always look for the for the – you know, the guy behind the curtain. Look for the man behind the curtain. Who is that man behind the curtain? And so 
I think with with all of the training and the spiritual lessons and, and teachings I've learned over the years, it always kind of came to that, you know, well, somebody hurt you as a kid, blah, 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 blah. And lately when, um, and I think, you know, I'm not a, a 100% um, follower or adherent to many of his principles, but, you know, I want to give him credit for making me have a, a, a MO or a model or a mindset of how to look at life, you know, what is life, because, you know, I mean, of all the things that people, you know, people want to argue and have wars and, and fight over that, that their God is the only God, <laughs> I can't even say it without laughing, <laughs> you know, but, so what do we call it, the, you know, I have friends who get really angry with me when I call it the universe, and people who get upset with me when I, if I say God or whatever, and, you know, so quick to correct me, but, I, so I've come down to, okay, let's just call it life, okay, we all know it's life, right? Let's just call it life with a capital L. And so what is this life? And, and you know, Scheinfeld, this Robert Scheinfeld in his book, um, you know, breaking loose, busting loose from the money game, and he only used the money game as one of the games that we play. But to me, there's two, two th- themes or threads that run throughout life, and that is, number one, story, as you just said. We all have stories. Everybody's got a story, and there's a story of life. And the second one is games. We have, you know, there's billions of dollars being spent not only on video games, but card games, board games, and sports games. So with those two threads, when you come back to that, I think what's helped me immensely when I look at my own childhood, because I would question even one of my friends who broke out of where we grew up in the ghetto, and he's multi-millionaire at this point. Both of us, he more than I, question, why did we get there in the first place? And he is a little angry about it, and he says, I didn't belong there. I knew I didn't belong there. And I've heard that story from many people. I, I didn't belong there. And so my whole, his whole life was spent on getting out, and which he did on many levels. On, on some spiritual levels, he's not even close. But certainly on the material and physical plane, he transcended all of that. But when I look at it, and let's go down to it, you know, and I kind of want to have people just look at this. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but we were put there or chose to be there for a reason, to play a a game. You know, and and many of us, it was a game of uh, overcoming handicaps, hardship, abuse, broken hearts, whatever. And so to me, there's this idea that life really is, I mean, when you think of whatever created this life, created the world, why would it create a world with limitation other than to play this crazy game of just like a video game is one of limitation and conflict and obstacles and and there's joy in the actual struggle to get ahead. So I think for the person who's going through growing up and like in a seminar, you say to yourself, don't you see that it was that you really, what you really are, there's two yous. There's, we always talk about this, there's the little you and then there's the big you. And the big you, which is all powerful and omnipotent and infinite, came to play a limiting game. So those, those events were simply part of the game to overcome. And how fantastic you are now that you've gone through it and you're at such a level that you've transcended them. You know, just my two bits on, on you know, how what your feelings are on it, but it's really helped me. Well, and, and if 
you know, if we can, you know, consider the idea that, and my belief is that, you know, the the whole process is just to remember, you know, who we've always been. Right. Right. Go. And so, so it's not a becoming something else. Right. Exactly. It's 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 getting out of the way of what you already are. Right. And and the idea of you know, the lack or not good enough or, right, you know, exactly. all of those, you know, messages that, that tapes that play all the time is, you know, to be able to, you know, just stand in that. And, again, it's not that the tapes aren't going to play, right? I mean, we both exactly. know in our in our day-to-day activities they play all the time, but it's all about how we then respond to it and go, yeah, and – you know I'm good, and yeah, I. It's it's not a big deal. I'm not going to resist that. I'm not going to. And so this idea of be able being able to be the observer in the situation, exactly, and then, exactly. You know, make a choice on how you want to respond. And exactly. And, and understand that you know. I want to point too. Again, I think you and I have covered this, and I know that uh, you know. Um, I, I talk about this with uh, Rebecca Tripp, who's the um, metaphysical flight attendant, and she's just finished her book, and it'll be coming out. But we talk about, you know, it's very important, and I think a lot of uh, spiritual teachers leave this out. None of this is your fault. <laughs> none of these thoughts, none of these feelings, none of this is something you chose. And it's part of the game. In other words, it's part of the game to feel that you're not what you really are which is an unlimited being that's going to be, you know, because when the body dies, and before it was, you were always in whatever form. And when you pass on, you will be, you know, maybe not as the ego you are, but certainly as the life force or the energy that you are. And that this is just one little play, one little story, one little game, probably in countless games, that you know, the true you, the higher you, will, loves to play. You know, and to me, that it's when you develop that perspective, which you just call the observer, you know, that's the part that is power. And you say, listen, I didn't ask for these thoughts. I didn't ask for these feelings. They're happening, and they're happening for a bigger reason. And it's for me to wake up to them and become aware of them, like you said. So when you get centered, when you breathe, and when you go back and you realize where these things came from, and then you say to yourself, they're just thoughts. <laughs> they're just feelings that are passing through that I didn't ask for. And yet it, they're to there to remind me to wake up and say, I am not this. I am not this thought. I am not this feeling. And to me, this little technique and... I've only stumbled on it recently in my life. I find that they fly away. When I don't entertain them, when I don't engage them, when I realize they're not real, you know, it's that part of kind of like, you know, the elastic band around your wrist, you snap to wake up. Um, So, you know, just a little trick that, you know, I'm not a big proponent of teaching tricks because I think the magic inside us is way better than little tricks, but there are techniques to to become the observer and wake up to those things. And I think that the other, uh, um, you know, message for me in this work is about this this question of, 
you know, the old story and the new story, it's not like you're only going to have one new story. You know, the idea is, I mean, you're going to let the old story behind. And and one of the ones that, you know, has come up for me, which, again, when we were telling stories about, you know, who we are, and then I tell my story about, you know, my trip to the Himalayas and, and trekking the Himalayas and the fact that, you know, I'd never camped before and I'd never hiked before and, so I'm 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 not an adventurer, right? And so, but, and again, that was four years ago that I, you know, trekked in the Himalayas, and it, it has taken four years to realize that, you know, not being an adventurer was an old story also. And, right, and because the idea you certainly that it, are an adventurer now. Exactly. So one of the steps in this workshop um, is to do, you know, just a vision board, you know, where you go through magazines and you just, you know, pick out pictures or words that just help you see, you know, visually see, you know, your new story. And and it was very easy for me to pick, you know, adventure, you know, as my headline, right? And then wow. I found something, you know, that said into the unknown. And so, you know, those were really powerful uh, statements, but it, it took me a while you know, to actually own them because it was more convenient or more comfortable, I'm not sure what, to own the, the other story that says I'm not. Um, even right. when I have pictures, you know, that show me, you know, on the top of the mountain, you know, and it was very interesting just how sometimes it takes a while, you know, for that old story, you know, to go away and for you to own, you know, the new story. And, and once you can start to own the new story, then, you know, life unfolds in a new way. Yeah, and of course, one of the tools is to, if, is to totally be in the present. And when you're in the present, not worrying about the past or the future, just then maybe that observer kicks and go, wait a minute, right now I am the adventurer. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. <laughs> you know? this is, what I'm doing right now is a major adventure. Yeah, it was it was really you know quite interesting. And the other thing that we learned in the workshop um, was about this question about words. And you know we we did some exercises that didn't involve words, um, and it was much more of a, a silent. And I was again quite amazed at you know in the concept of working with people, um, you know we couldn't. We couldn't really say anything to them about their story. You know, we could just basically say, you know, and and how does that make you feel? Um, you know, what do you need to support you? And, and and so we couldn't engage in their story. We could just stay focused on, you know, having them learn to say what they need. And right. and that was also you know, quite interesting with, with the whole premise that, you know, the person actually does know what they need. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they do. And and this notion that you have to go outside to talk to somebody or professional help this or <laughs> counsel. I mean, and, and even in those counseling worlds, and, you know, I've been that path and, you know, done that and, you know, spent years <laughs> and money doing that. But the idea is when you continue to talk about it, I mean, you actually cement these things. Of course, things. yeah. You're, just, you're, you're whining. You're, you know, you're complaining. You're, you know, poor me. I remember going at one point. <coughs> excuse me. I was 
uh, had gone through all of these stages and, you know, was starting to really feel ready to break through the prison, through the jail, through the you know, things, and and uh, encountered a gal who had gone to high school, but I went to an all-Catholic all high school where the boys were separated from the girls, so we were on one building and the other, and then I met her. I remember walking to her office one day, and she just had this huge box of tissue <laughs> in this huge wastebasket filled with the used tissues. And I got to her late in the day and said, hey, hey, you know, I mean, most of my life, this is one of the reasons for the name of this show is I've always been blessed kind of with an upbeat attitude. And so I'd walk in and say, you know, how's it going? She goes, oh, my God. She goes, it's so nice to meet somebody who's smiling and has got energy. And she looks at the basket of tissue, and she's just shaking her head. And I can imagine her job, you know, all, all day long. She's been listening to depressing tales of woe, of pain, you know, et cetera. And you're right. So that whole process, maybe it is somewhat freeing, but that whole process of staying stuck with the same story is kind of silly when you think about it. Well, and and identifying, you know, what is the process to, you know, take the next step? Um, and, And that's where... You know, this workshop was, you know, much more effective. You know, there's about 60 people in the workshop. And, you know, it's basically everybody, you know, doing their own work and doing, you know, what was good for them. But it it was geared, you know, much more to the moving forward um, and, you know, ending up with, you know, a vision board of the future and, you know, the tips and techniques of, you know, how to stay there. Um, and so the other thing that, that, you know, she does with the program is she has this, you know, really short book, but it basically, you know, just is how to do this process on your own, right? So that, you know, if you get back in that habit, which we all do, then how do you, you know, if you recognize that, you know, you're stuck in the past and you're telling the story again, and then how do you take yourself you know, from there, you know, back through the process. Um, and so that was the other thing that was great is the fact that, you know, tools and tips and techniques to get yourself, you know, back on track um, when you find yourself, you know, back in that old story. Right. And, again, I the model that has helped me immensely is just in going beyond believing is a knowing, again, that the major problem always is separation from yourself and that the higher part of you. And one of the things that, one of the techniques I like that he kind of mentioned, which I really love to toy with now, is when you get those feelings, those thoughts, and then the thoughts turn to feelings, the feelings of fear and the feelings of uh, depression or helplessness, is that you you totally engage them. And understand, you know, because he says, Nothing is good or bad. It's only our perception of it. So we, we, we talk about the, you know, the fact that joy and love and peace and all of those great things. And he says that's, you know, we look at those as those are positive things and those are the negative things we have to fight. And he suggests, why? Why not? You know, and I've, I found this is an extremely powerful technique. When those feelings come and go, just, just get into the feeling. 
of mm-hmm. fear or anger or whatever it is and go, wow, isn't it amazing that I've chosen to be human, you know, that the higher part of me has chosen this, this avatar, whatever we want, the ego, the body, has chosen the body to experience all of these emotions, etc. And that each one of them is an experience that doesn't really have to be weighted. And when you do that, when I get into it, I go, wow, feel this. Isn't it amazing that as a being I can have these feelings? And when you do that, all of a sudden they have no power because you're just delighting in everything. The fact that you can jump into fear, that you can do that. And then because now you really are the observer and now you are all-powerful. One of the things that... uh I've heard people uh, refer to is, you know, to bless the mess, right? You know, yeah, so when exactly. life is messy um, and life circumstances are challenging, I mean, just, you know, sit right in the middle of it, right? And just, you know, accept this is the current reality. I mean, for the moment, it is. And, you know, there's no judgment about it. It just, I mean, it, it is. Right? That's right, then, exactly. Right, and then just... It is what it is. Right, it it just is, and, and, you know, taking that judgment about the fact that, you know, how it got here and how hard it is it's going to, you know, be to get through. And, uh, you know, I know you and I have talked about this, but one of one of the key messages that, you know, I grew up with, and I don't know where it came from, but the fact that, you know, life had to be hard or... Right. There had to be a struggle, and so you know, I did have to go get the easy button, you know, from Staples, <laughs> just to acknowledge that it could be easy. I mean, it really. I mean, it can be easy, and so to to only have one option of thinking that it has to be hard, no matter what it is. Well, um, again, it, it it is easy when you're connected to the force. You know, again, I love that scene from Star Wars. He's teaching Luke how to fight the Orb. And he's got the laser in his hand, and it makes it even more difficult. He puts the uh, mask over him and says, you know, I, but I can't see. He goes, good, because your eyes are lying to you. Mm-hmm. This, what you're looking at is not real, and you've got to connect to the source. And when you do that, you realize that it gets every time you shut yourself off from that. It is hard. It's really hard because your little puny intellect you know, your little puny ego has shut itself off from the part that is its engine, its its source, and it's trying to figure it all out. I mean, have you experienced? You, I know you're experiencing that shift now. Yeah. Well, and and even I mean, one of the things when on this last trip that we um, took to Peru at Machu Picchu, as we're going up to you know the site, you know, he basically said. You know, I want you to feel the sight before you see the sight. And so we, you know, we held hands and we sidestepped, you know, up the path, you know, for quite some time because to your exact point, you know, we, our eyes, if we only process it with our eyes, we're not going to get the full effect. We're we're not going to understand and we're not going to be able to listen and hear and feel. Exactly what really, you know, this whole thing is about. And, and, and so, you know, he just started to, to work with us on, you know, how do we connect, you know, to 
things and situations and mountains and streams and people and circumstance, how do we connect with that, you know, at a different level, you know, than we were always, have always been trained and conditioned to connect? Exactly. You know, it's, uh, and that's one of the lessons. It's a great little clip and it's, you know, so available on YouTube, but it's just, um, he says exactly that to him. He says, your eyes lie to you. He says, you have to feel, you know, you have to go deeper. You have to feel mm-hmm. where the orb is because that, that won't lie to you because that is a closer connection to your source. You know, everything that comes from the gut, you know, it's so funny. I play this game with people all the time when they come to me with the story of how things just got really screwed up. And I always ask the question, you know, and nobody wants to talk about the little voice. In fact, I read a book recently about that, that almost 60% of humans have some kind of a spiritual inexplicable event in their life that they've heard a voice, they've had a feeling, they've encountered an angel, they've whatever. And they don't want to talk about it because they're afraid that it will be out. So I always ask them about that little voice. I say, let me ask you a question. Before the event happened, before you got yourself into that trouble, did you hear a voice? Did you, and then I said, I don't mean necessarily hearing a voice, but did you get a feeling? Did something communicate with you to tell you that you were going to get in trouble? And almost 99% of the time, absolutely, yep, and yet, you did it anyway. Yeah, well, I didn't trust it. Because <laughs> they went right back to the ego, to the intellect, and tried to separate themselves from that feeling, that gut instinct feeling that's saying, don't go down there. You know, you go down there, you separate from me, you're going to get in trouble. And yet we do it over and over and over again. I think, I, I, did I tell you about the little girl? I, I told them how I lost the fifth grade class, how I lost my leg. And I said to them, um, you know, I had to teach myself how to ride the bike again. And I asked, did anybody here ever have to teach himself anything? And the little girl stands up and she says, yeah, she says, I taught myself how to walk. And I said, isn't that great? I said, so you were sick or you had an accident and you taught yourself how to walk again. And she goes, looked at me with this quiz. And she goes, no, man, the first time. teacher who had had them for like nine months and this was a school where it's in the inner city and they're taking the kids away from their parents for almost 12 hours a day because they don't want them to be exposed to all the stuff that their parents are doing right and the teacher looks at me look at this quiz quizzical look and i look at her like oh my god this kid's a genius <laughs> she's she's talking about innate wisdom isn't she she's talking about that part of us that we all want to ignore the part that's you know, Alan Watts always talked about the part that we don't know how our bones bone. We don't know how our blood bloods, yet it does. We don't know how it moves through or why it moves through our vessels or why your bones regenerate or whatever. And so this kid is telling me, you know, 11 years old, hey, pal, nobody taught me how to walk. But there was a part of her that got her up and gets us all up and makes us walk. You know, there's no classes in walking. Although I bet you there's a whole bunch of soccer moms and dads who would love to have schools for walking so their kid could be first. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and the second time I asked it, I asked it a couple of weeks later in a school, uh, another inner city school, but I didn't realize I had asked it differently. I said, I heard a voice that told me to ride the bike. I'll never forget it. 
You know, I was going into the unknown. And because I had been told by a noted surgeon and everybody, every parent, everybody who had any sense of, you know, safety or fear, whatever, don't do it, you'll kill yourself. And because I hadn't, you know, been amputated at the hip, so if I started to go the other direction, there was nothing for me to grab myself or stop me from smashing my head on the pavement. And so I heard the voice. It was very strong, and it just said, do it. I was all alone. It was the first time that I grabbed the bike, and people weren't around to pull me off it, which was what they always did. And I was always glad they did, you see, because then I didn't have to prove anything. <laughs> you know, when they showed up, I was like, oh, thank God. You know, I was going to, you know, thank God. Now I don't have to. I can say it was their doing that I didn't do it. But I heard that voice. So I asked the kids, <clears throat> I heard a voice tell me, do you ever hear a voice? And the kids are screaming. I never saw so much excitement. They jumped out of their seats, all 50 of them, screaming. Yeah, yeah, we hear the voice all the time. And I said, yeah. And I said, the voice tells you the right thing to do, right? And they went, no, no. It tells us the wrong thing to do. It gets us in trouble. And I laughed out loud. I said, these kids are talking about ego. Talking about the, that voice in the head that says, let me go for that. Let me, oh, I want that candy bar. Let me go lift it, shoplift it. Or let me, you know, go, you know, I'm not supposed to leave the, the neighborhood, but let me go with Johnny to wherever. So it's that, that instant gratification, that ego, that's making the decision. So I started to laugh. And I said, you're right. I said, that's the first voice, isn't it? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I said, did you ever hear a second voice? With more energy. They're screaming. Yes, yes, we always hear the second voice, yes. Ten-year-old, 11-year-old kids. So I asked the question, I said, what's that voice? And this little black kid stands up and he yells out, hey, man, he goes, that voice is God. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're in a public school where that three-letter word isn't allowed. And the kids are screaming, he's right, he's right. <laughs> So at 11, they still, even though we've tried to beat it out of them, they still have this connection to the source, that the rest of us, we allow them through all of the, you know, the, the teachings and the fear and the coursework, et cetera, to um, don't go down that road. Don't listen to that thing. <laughs> Who are you to listen to that part of yourself that really knows? You have to listen to us. We know best. You know, so... And, uh, you know, I know I'm chewing up more time than I like to here, but I talked to uh, a family member the other day whose son has just graduated from college, and I can see this kid is not happy. He, they're forcing him into <clears throat> things, and he's allowing them to, you know, the job and everything else. And, of course, my whole thing is to be free, be free, be free. And I caught, caught him the other day, and I said, hey, you know, I recommended a few books, books to him. And I, and I said, let me give you some avuncular advice. Don't do it. Don't buy the program. So I got his mother, and she started screaming. Just what you mirrored a few moments ago. We all got to pay our dues. <laughs> too bad he doesn't. Too bad he doesn't like it. Too bad for him. He's got to learn. He's got to learn to pay his dues like we all did. And I started to argue, and then I said to myself, don't even go there. Just grab the kid when I can and sit him down and try to talk to him because... That is, and you know, when you get go back to that conventional wisdom, that all of that junk, 
you know, I realize how far separated I am from that, thank God. But, you know, people are entrenched in that, you've got to pay your dues, it's got to be painful, it's got to be hard, it's got to be tough, and we all got to go through it. <laughs> Until you find the easy button, right, Linda? Exactly, exactly. And, you know, being able to, you know, have some experiences, um, you know, that can take me to those, you know, times and remember that it, it really can be easy uh, because there's so much, you know, built-up history, muscle memory of, you know, yes. the other way, right? Yes. So you have to yes. have more and more experiences yes. that you can rely on, you know, that feed this new way of thinking because there right. is so much, right? Exactly. So hey, much listen, they're going to shut us off in about 10 seconds, so we're going to, rather than have us abruptly cut us off, we've we got to keep doing this. These are fabulous I, did you have a good time? I did. Thanks for inviting me, Tom. All right. Thanks so much. I always have a blast with you. Take care. All right. See ya.